Glory to Hallelujah. Oh, can you take your seat, please? Amen. Well, it's a blessing to be here today. A great privilege. Uh, I've heard and known about this ministry, uh, this wonderful church for many, many years. Uh, but then I haven't stepped here before. So uh, today, I'm blessed and privileged to be here. Amen. And uh, I thank God for what the Lord is using you to do uh, in this nation, in this part of the world. Uh, for your, I know that for many of you, for many years, you have been very committed and dedicated to the work of the Lord. And we thank God for this beautiful edifice here which is a statement of the presence of Christ uh, in this community and beyond. Amen. I want to thank Bishop Osemenu and the beautiful wife. Uh, I've I've known them for uh, many years from a distance, had the name, uh, when was the KLM, and things, uh, all the things that she's been doing. So, He's, he's a man that I've, I've admired from a distance for many years and thank God that in his own time he's causing us to get closer and closer. Thank you, sir, for leading this great vision. And uh, you and Mama, God bless you and your team uh, for uh, this wonderful work that God is using you to do. Hallelujah. And, uh, and I thank God for my brother, Dr. Emmanuel Ansan, great, great leader, great man of God, uh, a man of precision. When you're talking to him, you have to weigh your words well. Because, yeah, uh, you must must know how you communicate and everything. Yeah, yeah. Because questions shall be asked. Just before we came here, and I was telling, I thought I was just saying something on a casual note, but I realized that I mean he was very interested in what I was saying and uh, uh, asking more leading questions, you know, and, and to take us further. Thank you for your many years of friendship and uh, relationship, and uh, for uh, undergirding this ministry, standing with the our senior pastor and father here, and for the great work, your blessings through your uh, books that you are writing, which is a legacy and a blessing to generations after us. Thank you for the great work. And uh, I also want to appreciate my brother and uh, beautiful wife uh, who have neglected me for some time. (laughs) Uh, uh, Dr. Uh, and Mrs. Bimpong and uh, their wonderful family. I love their family so much. Uh, there was such a beautiful family out there. And uh, I think since mom passed, I have not been seeing much of you. Mothers are wonderful. Because of mom, you used to come around a lot. And when mom went to be with the Lord, in a, you know, but we trust that we'll be seeing more of you. So it's a wonderful thing. I was going to ask the big brother about him. No, lo and behold, he was sitting right in the air. Thank you, sir. God bless you all for 
uh, standing with the man of God and the woman of God and the wonderful work that you are doing. Can I have an amen? Shall we pray? Amen, amen. Blessings and glory. Wisdom, thanksgiving. Power and might be unto our God forever and ever. Amen, amen, amen. Yeah, bless you. We some thanksgiving. Yeah. Power and Be unto a God. Be unto a God. Forever, forever and ever. Yes, we are. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Shinde la bracata sarababa. Emana la 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 la. Oh yeah. Na na He has promised. He has promised. He will never. I will hang on him. I will hang on him. I will hang on him. He has promised, he has promised, he will never faithful. Yeah, he forever, ah, he faithful. Yeah, he forever, he's faithful now, he's Yeah, forever, yeah, he Yeah, he's forever. Oh, Jesus, Bet your Ah, 
Before we share in the word of God, I want us to pray very brief, briefly. The Bible says in Psalm 23, verse 1, and the verse number 6, it said, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. We're praying that this year, 2020, we shall not lack any good thing. A shepherd is a person who leads, a shepherd is a person who, who guards, and a person is a person who feeds. We're praying the Lord this year, may you be our provider. May you be the preserver of our lives. May you defend us from every evil. And the verse 6 says that good, surely goodness and mercy shall follow us. We are praying that anything that is not goodness and mercy, may it never find our address. We reject everything that is not goodness and mercy. Only goodness and mercy shall follow us. The goodness of God, the provisions of God, the protection of God, and the preservation of God. And we pray that may God daily load us with His benefits. In the name of the Lord Jesus, shall we pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we're praying, O oh God, that, yes, Lord, we thank you that you are our shepherd. May you lead us, shepherd of our soul. We give you full control. May you have total control over our lives. Have your influence in our lives. In the precious name of Jesus. Thank you Lord Jesus. For your might. For your presence. For your goodness. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Oh yes Lord. Oh yes Lord. Oh yes Lord. We give you thanks. We give you praise. We give you thanks. We give you praise. We give you thanks. We give you praise. We pray God. Only goodness and mercy shall follow us. Only goodness and mercy. As we have come into. We are in the second month for God. We pray you know God. That yes we agree with your word. And we say only goodness and mercy shall follow us. In the precious name of Jesus. Have your way in our lives. Yes Lord. May you daily load us with benefits. May you be our provider. May you lead us. May you lead us. May you lead us. May you lead us. May our words be your words. May our actions be your actions. And may our influence be your influence. In the precious name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Son of the living God. Oh yes Lord. We bless you. Oh yes Lord. We glorify your name. We glorify your name. We glorify your name. Libo Sika, Bari Ada, Shimberi Atosia, Rebetos Ite, Rikara Batania, Inobo Shiketi Alabandua. We give you thanks, O Lord. We give you praise, O Lord. We honor your holy name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I want to thank you and praise your name. We bless you because we are good God. We pray that this evening, may you come and take absolute control over whatever we do here. Minister to us. We are your children. Direct us, influence us, and bless and anoint us in Jesus' precious name. And everybody say a big amen. Can you take a seat? I'm sharing briefly on restoring kingdom relationships. Restoring kingdom relationships. Now, kingdom basically means a king and his dominion. And uh, when we talk about a relationship, we are talking about the way in which two or more people are connected or the state of being connected. And uh, this connection is in various areas. A connection um, in the family between 
a husband and a wife, um, parents and their children, and then relationship among siblings. Then we do have occupational relationships between employer and employees. Now, and then on the social sector, we have kinship relationship and their citizens or government and their, uh, and their citizens as their subject. Then in the spiritual sphere, we have the priests, the prophets, and the pastors with their congregation. Then we also have peer-level relationships. Now, all these relationships have their, a, a governing system related to them, values that must be espoused within them in order to have a fluid relationship. So, um, when it comes to the family, um, the Bible says that children should be obedient to parents in the Lord. Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. So, it's not a situation where these days I can talk anyhow to my parents. Uh, uh, we, are, we are in postmodernism and uh, I've reached a certain age and I can do what I want to do. Yesterday I had somebody, I'm told, somebody was in the church and uh, he goes out with the pastor, travels, and the parents don't seem to have a control over a 22-year-old girl who lives under the roof of a father. And the pastor claims that he's, once she's 18 plus, she can do what she can do. You can do what you want to do. If you are staying under the roof of your parents, then you are under the government. If you have to govern yourself, that means that go and take care of yourself. So, we must be able to know, define how we are going to be relating properly. Like I said, in Ephesians, it says that the children, Ephesians chapter 6, children, let's, let's have a look at that scripture. If you are in Ephesians, we want to say thank Ephesians chapter 6 verse 1. Thank you, Jesus. If you haven't found it, say, Lord, have mercy. <laughs> it says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. It means that it is a right thing for, for children to obey their parents. So within the kingdom of God, there's a relationship between children and their parents. And it said that children ought to obey their parents in the Lord. Because invariably, God will support the parents. So the children ought to obey. And the parents are there in the place of God. So God actually is directing the family and directing the lives of the children through the parents. And so the children ought to obey the parents in the Lord. It is a right thing for children to obey their parents in the Lord. Then it goes on to say, Honor your father and mother which is the first commandment with promise. It means that you must know, children must know how to talk to their parents. They must know how to relate with them. 
Honoring means that giving them the highest form of respect. Honoring means that giving them first place and an opportunity to speak into their lives and to direct them and to even sometimes let them do things which under normal circumstances they wouldn't want to do, but because they are their parents and they ask them to do, they do it. And they say, so fathers are to give direction to their children. We don't have to leave their children and say, just do your own thing. And I believe that in this day and age, um, well, in our mother's times, um, their, their parents and families used to help them to get married. Sometimes they even get married to somebody that they actually even didn't know physically. But because they knew the qualities of uh, a good marriage and a good marital partner, oftentimes they are... They are, they are Propositions are right. The people they propose. We have come into the city. And some of the people from all kinds of backgrounds come in. And then your son or your daughter says, I fall in love. I believe that parents in this day and age must help to guide our children to be able to marry properly. Because whatever it is, they are coming into the family. They are coming into the family. So whatever baggage they have. Is coming to the family. Yeah. And oftentimes, if you don't watch properly, you will see somebody descend into the family and with all kinds of difficulties and challenges that will, 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 will arise. And so, we have to make sure. And I believe that parents, parents must be strong in directing their children. We must love our children, but we must be strong with our voice. <laughs> I personally believe that where they, when their kids are growing up, where they need whacking, we must whack them. You must beat them. Train up a child the way he should go. We have to instruct them. These days, some people say, don't beat their children, don't whatever. But when they are beatable, beat them. Yeah. And then when they get to the age where you have to reason with them, you reason with them. You know, it's, it's very important because I've personally seen certain children who were, who parents didn't apply force on them, strength on them, and then as they grew up, they ended up rather beating their parents. Yeah, they ended up beating their parents up and getting into all kinds of vices. Uh, when your parents beat you when you are young, when they grow up, no matter how afraid they look, you still have a fear and respect for them. You know, so it's it's very important no matter how much we love. Now, in the verse number three, he says that honor your father and mother, it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. So we have to let the children know that it is in their own interest. It is in their own interest for them to honor father and mother. Sometimes a difficulty arises whereby when the men are trying to direct the the children. Some mothers will come in and say, oh, don't worry, don't, don't mind them, and don't mind your father. Sometimes they even help their children, and they go and re- rehearse their problems to their, their, their children, and the children take, and take it up and go and face their fathers. No child should be given a right and an opportunity to face a father. It is wrong. And mothers might think that, well, he, he, my children are supporting me. But you see, children need the blessing of parents. And especially fathers. 
And so when a child moves, a heart of a child moves away from a father, the heart is actually moving away from blessing. And the Bible says, it's the blessing of the Lord that maketh rich and addeth no sorrow. So it is in your interest as a mother to ensure that no matter your differences between you and your spouse, as for your children, let them have great respect and regard for their fathers. Can I have an amen? Oh, the amen is weak. I didn't hear the voice of the ladies. Hallelujah. Then it goes on to say, in the verse of, I know that some people are going to say, some fathers are really difficult. Yeah. Some don't even take care of their children. They are whatever is true. So, scripture balances it here in the verse 4 to say, And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. So it means that fathers are not supposed to be using their positions as fathers just to be provoking their children. Maybe talk to them anyhow. Slap them. Whatever. And if you are a father, where and when you are wrong, to be respected, it is good to say, I'm sorry. And learn to say, I'm sorry to everybody, including your wife. One day somebody was seen more treating the wife and was asked, did you say sorry? He said, no. He said, why? Because, and he said, because I never saw my dad say, I'm sorry to mom. So that's a wrong modeling, wrong thing. And it's a good thing that as fathers and as mothers, we learn to say, I'm sorry. And when we do that, we are teaching our children how to say, I'm sorry, when they are wrong. Can I have an amen? Okay. Then in the verse number five, it says, Born servants, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh. So at the workplace, you don't say, My boss is a non believer. So long as you work over there, we are talking about, you know, kingdom relationships. Yeah. And the workplace is involved. So you cannot talk anyhow to your boss. So I want to blow my fuse. You are not representing Christ well. Because you are supposed to be a light, you know, in the world. And wherever you find yourself, that through your, your, your behavior, through your activities, your, your, even your unbelieving boss will come to the saving knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And so he says that we have to be obedient to those who are messes according to the flesh with fear and trembling in sincerity of, of heart, not with eye service as men pleases. But as born servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with goodwill, doing service as to the Lord and not to men. So whatever that we're doing, we must know that we are doing unto God. Uh, we, may, we may be able to deceive some people, but God cannot be deceived. And so whatever we're doing, it's important that we do it and do it well. Can I have an amen? Okay. Now, when it comes to... The, I'll, I'll, I'll get back to the family later. But when it comes to the ch- church, and because we are, we are in church, we are part of the church, I want to be able to get in there. There's, we have the priests, we have the kingship, and then the priesthood, 
and a prophetic ministry, which I will box it all up under the pastoral leadership because it all has to do with, pastoring has to do with shepherding. And uh, a king shepherds his people, you know, and the prophet also shepherds his people, you know, and every form of leadership is shepherding, leading them, guiding them. So we are going to be looking at the role of, first of all, what, whatever a child will become depends on how the parents do things. So we're going to start with the leadership within the church. And we can transpose this into uh, the other forms of leadership as kinship, you know, prophetic, you know, and the general fatherhood. So we're going to look at how a chief executive officer can be, behave towards uh, his workers, how a king will behave and go. Christ showed how to be able to relate properly. The word of God shows us how to be able to relate properly uh, when it comes to leadership and uh, subjects or pastors and congregation. Now, God sent Jesus into the world. And when he sent Jesus into the world to save the world, God didn't abandon Jesus. Jesus was to introduce the will of God, but there was something very important that Jesus did. He didn't, God didn't abandon Jesus. We're going to look at a few characteristics of a, a, a good chief executive officer or senior minister or the pastor. In John 5.17, first thing is that a leader is a person who works. A king must work. The pastor must work. So, there are some leaders who don't work. They just give orders and go to sleep. But if you see, Jesus was under the authority of his father and he spoke of his father and said, my father works and I also work. John five seventeen. My father works and I also work. So it means that if the father was working and it means that fathers must work as an example, show leadership. The pastor must work. The leader must work. So Leaders are not just to enjoy the privileges you know, that they have, but people actually love to see the leaders doing something. Um, the sight of their leader working gives them much inspiration. I remember when uh, we were building and we had just done the four walls, we didn't have a stage. One Sunday afternoon, after the service, we had some sand and stones and things. And I told our people, we are going to do a platform. And I removed my shirt and everything. Got a wheelbarrow. I mixed the concrete. And when I started doing it, I, called, just, I had just only one mason because I, I, I'm not a skillful mason. But at least I could be a laborer. I have carried concrete before. So I remember my concrete carrying this. And then I had to put it in, into action. 
and just mobilized just a few people. And before I realized, when, they, when the others saw that their pastor was mixing concrete and doing they wanted him to come. I said, no, no, no. We are all doing this together. And so more hands came on board. And it was, that was an amazing thing. There was a time I happened, I visited uh, Reverend uh, Apostle General. And when I got his compound, the man was picking, you know, papers and things on the compound. And I felt, that's a, that's a great thing. This man has so many people that he just, at the snap of a finger, people come and then remove those. But as he was walking, he saw those things, you know, piece of papers and all. He was picking them from the compound. And I believe that leaders, like I said, must be seen to be working. Can I have an amen? Okay. And then the next thing is that the pastor or the leader must be seen. Must be seen. Not hiding himself. John 5, 19. And for us in the church, if you are any form of leader, whether you are a group leader, you are whatever, we are not politicians who have to be whisked away. You know, a real leader must stay with the people. A shepherd stays with the sheep. He smells of the sheep. He sleeps by the sheep. And so, it's important for them to see the, 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 the shepherd. They see the leader. John 5, 19. Jesus said, Verily I say unto you, The son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees, he can do nothing. But what he sees, the father do. For what things soever he does, these also doeth the son likewise. So that is mentoring. Seeing. Seeing brings about implementation. You can say something, give somebody something to read. Reading will bring about knowledge. Hearing you will motivate them and create some faith in them. But seeing you do it will bring about a strong ability to implement it. So implementation is important. And they must, they must see you, you know, get to work. They must see you getting things done. David was somebody who endeared himself to his people because in 1 Samuel 18, 16, the Bible says that all Israel and Judah loved David because he went out and came in before them. He went out and came in. He went out and came in. They saw him. They saw him and so their hearts were endeared towards him. Hallelujah. So, if you are in any level of leadership in the church or wherever, except for some special reason where either your office demands that you be hidden somewhere, I believe it's important that you be seen. Amen. And often people are more loyal to people that they see than to people they cannot see. More loyal to them. One day, a certain senior pastor, an overseer, went to one of his branches, and I think there was an issue between the the senior pastor, the overseer, and then the the, the resident pastor there. When he got there, some ushers stood there and said, "You can't come in here. We don't know you." Yeah, is this man we know? Is this man we know? They didn't know him. So it's important. That your people see you. Now, a leader must also love his subordinates. Loving of subordinates. You know, when Jeroboam consulted with the elders of Israel, he asked them, 
what kind of advice do you give to me? He said, if you will make yourself, you will serve these people, they will give their hearts to you forever. They will love you forever. But the guy didn't love them. And he ended up losing the throne. So, it's important that we love the people who we are working for. It must be, Jesus actually showed real love. John 5.20 part A, he said, For the Father loveth the Son. The Father loveth the Son. So, you must be a king, a prophet, a pastor, who must love his followers. You must care about them. And when the people you lead are sure that you love them, they'll be willing to do almost anything for you. You know, David, the people were ready to risk their lives to go and fetch water from the camp of the Philistines at the expense of their lives because they loved. And because they realized that David loved them. So loyalty begets loyalty. Loyalty is deeper than just what we, we see. It goes beyond just giving orders. It's of the hearts. Amen? Yeah. In Second Samuel, you can write Second Samuel 15, 2 to 4 and verse 6. Unfortunately, Absalom used the same principle in a negative way of loving the people. He used that to steal the hearts of the people. You know, the Bible says, And Absalom rose up early and stood beside the way of the gate, and it was so that when any man that had a controversy came to the king for judgment, then Absalom called unto him and said, Of what city art thou? And he said, Thy servant is one of the tribes, is of, is of one of the tribes of Israel. And Absalom said to him, See, your matters are good and right, but there is no man deputed of the king to hear thee. Absalom said, Moreover, all that I were made judge in the land, that every man which had been which has any suit or cause might come unto me and I'll do unto him justice. And then when you read the verse, you know, you get on to the verse 6. The Bible says that and on this manner did Absalom unto all Israel that came to the king for judgment. So Absalom stole the hearts of the men of Israel. The heart of the people belong to their leader. And under no circumstance should you steal the hearts of people. Sometimes you even have house helps. And then, if the man is not very wise, his heart will be stolen by house help. Yeah. Because uh, she might be doing special services. And service is attractive. And there are things that, I personally believe that there are things that, no matter what, and no matter how sophisticated you are as a wife, you should not delegate it to anybody but yourself. Why should somebody be clipping your husband's nails? Why should somebody be the one who is always serving food to your husband? There are things that should be exclusively done by, by wives or by the, by the spouses. Why should a household be the one who must be massaging and as the touching is taking place, sensations are being transmitted. And that's the reality. And sometimes, in the name of, I'm a corporate woman. I'm very busy. And before you realize, you are busy about nothing. 
something has been taken away from you. So, let's be careful. And anybody that has been given any role to play, your role is to direct the hearts of the people to the leadership. And not the other way around, whereby you take opportunity and advantage of the fact that you are close to the people. Closeness to the people. And because of the closeness to the people, you take opportunity to steal their hearts. You are a thief. And Zechariah chapter 5 verse 3 and 4 will meet you. Where the Bible says that there is a curse upon every thief. You know, and it shall consume the timber thereof of the house. It means that you will be left with nothing. So it's very important that if you are a group leader, you are a department leader, whatever, you do it on behalf of the leadership. Say, I have come on behalf of the bishop of the house. Visitations must be done on behalf of the bishop of the house. Telephone calls must be done on behalf of the leadership. After all, it is under the umbrella of the ministry that is how come that you are connected with that person in that respect. And so, if you are doing anything, then you must become a true representative. Can I have an amen? Okay. So, the next thing is, the, the leader must also be open to his subordinates. Be open. You know, be open to the subordinates. Get to know their needs and try to help them out. Open to them. In John 5, 20, Bible says, For the Father loveth the Son, and showeth him all things that himself doeth. He, the Father was open to Jesus. And it is important that we become open. Open in the sense that you should be able to let at least some key people under you know where you got where. What? If you're a leader, uh, where did you get your new car? Where did you get this and that? So that it creates a sense of trustworthiness. You know, because uh, people oftentimes have problems in their mind. Hey, our money, our this, our that. And even in the family, if you buy something, you should be able to say, God, maybe I did this project and God has blessed us with it. Because at times you see some people, they bring some money into the family and the source of it may not be right. So I believe that a wife must know the source of the husband's work. I mean, the earnings. There are some wives who don't know the work their husbands do. The man just goes, I'm doing business. What kind of business? What kind of business? Uh, yeah, somebody uh, introduced their, their beloved to me in church. Uh, then they wanted to marry. And uh, I asked the lady, what does he do? He said, oh, well, he, said, he does business. I said, what type of business? She didn't seem to know. So when the guy came, I said, what, what do you do? He said, I do, I do computer business. I said, what computer? Where is your office? Then when I pin him down a little bit more, they say, I do Yahoo. Yeah, Yahoo business. That means the internet. Robbing people. Or that. And that's, a, that's, a, the, that's the person this lady is going to marry. She's speaking in tongues in the church. You see, she, so we must, we must know our people. Oh. She's speaking in tongues in the church. She may be in the choir. She may be there as a greeter. She may be doing some things, but she is bonded to somebody whose life is totally 
different from what the word of God spells out. And sometimes we have just pushed them in. Amen. Openness. Then the next one. Now the lack of openness brings about mistrust and leads to openness. A leader must give public commendation of his followers. Public commendation. We are talking about the relationship. You know. So if you're a leader, you must give public commendation. John chapter 5, verse 37. And the Father himself, which has sent me, has borne witness of me. He has borne witness of me. So a good manager is someone who gives public approval of his workers. Praise people in public and correct them in private. Praise them publicly. Correct them privately. Praising subordinates is not going to weaken the position of the leader. It rather breeds the spirit of confidence and loyalty. So it's important when they do good things, you praise them. When they do the wrong thing, you catch them. And then in your own corner, you tell them what needs to be told them. Amen. So you can look at that in John 11, 41, 42. Correct behind closed doors. Bible says then they took away. Okay. Now, because of time, let's just get on. Number six. A leader trusts, should trust the judgment and decisions of his subordinates. At times that it's important that you listen to your subordinates. The Bible says, the father committed no, the father judges no man, but has committed all judgment unto the son. And so the father, once again here, exemplifies great leadership. Jesus was given a lot of responsibility. He was trusted with decisions. And a good leader can generate loyalty by giving the people who work under them a free hand. Also to be able to work under supervision. Though. Amen. Okay. Now, I've said a few things regarding what a pastor should do in, in relating to the people. You have to respect them because they are God's children. The congregation are not our own. In fact, anybody that comes your way, these are God's people that God has brought your way. And you must be able to enrich the lives of the people, help them to know God a lot better. Amen. Now, in the context of the church, let's see how congregation members are also supposed to relate to their man of God or woman of God. I know this is an aspect of the church that most of us, in fact, I've realized that lots of people do things not because they do the wrong things, not because they are bad people, but because they don't know the right things to do. One day somebody wrote a, a note to me after he had, been, he had mis, misbehaved and been corrected. And he said that if I had known this earlier on, I wouldn't have allowed my life to become a, a, a rubbish dumping ground. Which means that he was ignorant of some things and behaved in an ignorant manner. And, uh, 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 and so he got into all kinds of lifestyles. So, I just want to share with us certain things that, as members of a church, we need to do 
We have to understand that the church is the Lord's. No church belongs to a pastor. The church is the Lord's. In First Chronicles 29, 1-3, David said that the temple is the Lord's. The temple is the Lord's. So the church is the Lord. Now, Jesus came as... Jesus operated as an apostle. He worked in all the fivefold ministry. Apostle, prophet, teacher, evangelist. You know, all the fivefold. And before he left, he called the, his disciples and gave them a commissioning. And they got anointed. And so in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 and 12, the Bible says that when he ascended on high, he gave some, not everybody, he gave some to be apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists. Why? For the training of people to do the work of the ministry. For the training of the people to do the work of the ministry. So, a pastor is somebody who has been anointed by Christ to continue the work of Christ. The, the apostle, the prophet, the teacher, they are all agents of Christ. They are supposed to be representatives of Christ. That is why we call the person man of God or woman of God. So there's a man factor and there's a God factor. Amen. Which means that this person leading you is not perfect. And God doesn't use angels to lead his people. He uses human beings. Amen. And even when God came in the form of the flesh as Jesus, people had issues with him. So, people would definitely have issues with the pastor. Issues with the leadership. As per their understanding. So, it is very important to be able to understand who the pastor is. And how you ought to relate to him. So that you can be blessed. Because he is there to be a blessing to you. God's representative to bless God wants to bless you and he will bless you through his man of God. Can I have an amen? So, it's important to know how you are going to relate with the pastor. And when you understand how, the, I mean, you, you understand the level of relationship, it keeps you in the proper perspective. It determines how you treat them and the quality of the relationship you have with your pastor will be influenced by your perception of him. So, let's look at a few things that your pastor is to you. Number one, you've got to receive him in, your, in our relationship. We are talking about relationship. You've got to receive him as a father. That's why in, the, in a particular church, they call the priest Reverend Father. He's a father, revered father. He's a father. So, your pastor serves as your spiritual father. He's your spiritual father. Elijah had an earthly father and yet called Shaphat. That's 2 Kings 3.11. Yet he called Elijah his father. In 2 Kings 2.12, he called Elijah his father. Why? Because he had become his spiritual father. So, don't receive your pastor as a co-equal or just an ordinary friend. You may be classmates, but you are not grace mates. I say it again. 
You may be classmates, but not grace mates. And you could have even led the person to Christ yourself, but God will give the person a certain grace, and now the person may, by virtue of the determination of God, the person may, become, may work in a certain office different from yours or higher than yours, and he may end up even becoming your pastor. Bishop Oye, the post father calls him daddy. Within the context of the church. He's a father. So when the person, you don't just say, Kwesi, Ato, or whatever, because you are friends. It is important to accord the person that you receive. You see, when you accept the position of a person, and you accord the person that respect, one, you know, you, 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 it helps you to become calm. And then you are able to also take on the blessing that is upon the person. Because when you do not respect somebody, you cannot attract the blessing. Is that what Hey. What a blessing. Thank you for inviting me. Have I've seen my sister. <laughs> Amen. Okay. Wow. Like I told you earlier on, in Psalm 23, the Bible says, The Lord is my shepherd. Verse 1. So the pastor is a shepherd. And what does a shepherd do? The shepherd is a leader. So, and if you're a sheep, sheep doesn't lead the shepherd. It's the shepherd that leads the sheep. It is only snakes that try to move ahead of people. The leader. And snakes are not leadable. You haven't seen a snake that is there. You say, he's there. And then, you know, say, snake, follow me. And then the snake is happy. No, it doesn't happen that way. You know. But sheep always follow. Sheep always follow. So it's important that once you are a sheep, then you must learn to be. It's a learning process. You have to learn to be a follower. That means that to accept what your, your, your priest is telling you, your bishop is telling you, so long as it is within the context of the word of God. Amen? Once it's within the context of the word of God, the pastor is a protector. And that's the reason why sometimes when you are going to marry certain people, you say that you cannot marry this person. Don't say, me I'm sorry. It is my love. It is my life. It is not your life. It is our life. So we cannot, we cannot allow you, except you want to be rebellious and go away. Where we see that this thing you are getting into is not right, or you are not even ready for that. You want to marry at a particular time, they say, hold on. For the next two months or three months. And they say, no, this is my timetable. It doesn't work that way. So you must allow yourself to be protected. And the pastor is a provider. And uh, I believe one of the works of the pastor is even sometimes to help people to settle down. Amen. So a pastor with a good eyes can be able to say, brother, you are not married, but there's a good sister here. And can direct and do internal and spiritual connections. Yeah. Yeah. Internal. And Bishop, I think in this day and age, we have to be doing that more seriously. Because the brothers have, their POP is too strong. When they see their sisters, the way they dress up, they get very, very, very frightened. You know, and they say, they ask themselves, 
can can I manage it? Can I can, can I buy? No, the sister they are not looking for your money to uh, buy all their sophisticated clothing. They are dressing nicely so that they will be like nice flowers to be attractive, you know, with their. So it's it's important that when you know the pastors can have some eyes. They said, I think this person, knowing you, your temperament, your what your background, think this person, think about it. What what do you think? You know, <laughs> it's a suggestion. It's a suggestion. You know, and uh, and and uh, and I I I also even personally think that before one even goes to propose, if you're a gentleman, you are going to propose, and if you're and you are also a, a lady who has been proposed to, that you submit the proposal to a father. So go tell your pastor and, uh, 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 and talk to your biological father, somebody that you believe has a certain kind of uh, spiritual grace over you, who may see things that you may not have seen, and who may give an approval. Anytime you are going to marry somebody and that certain key people don't approve of it, that's a red, it's a red flag. You know, and there are times it's better not to fall in love with somebody that, than to now try and come out of love. That's why before you commit yourself, before you go and propose, you would have to bring, the, bring that desire under proper scrutiny. Because a person you, you may be heading towards, you are going to dig your own pit. And there is something that maybe the, the pastor would know about that person or where you are getting into. When I, when I met my wife, uh, well, friends, and when it got to the time when I needed to say something, I had to go and submit it to my, my pastor. I said that this is the way I feel towards this person. But what do you think? A spiritual person. Pray with me. Because, see, if this lady I'm bringing into my life does not relate properly with my senior pastor and has a certain kind of lifestyle, then it's going to even affect the strength of the ministry front. And there are times that there are some of the sisters, when they are married, then they steal the heart of the person from the church, from God and everything. And you see that a nice Holy Ghost brother has now been totally deflated. And, you know, it is out. And so it's important to submit this to fathers and go, don't just say, I've fallen in love. It's my time to marry. And so I am married. Rain or shine. <laughs> Hallelujah. Okay. So, our relationship with our man of God should be father and children. Father-son, father-daughter, relationship. Amen. Now, how do you receive someone as a father? In fact, when you receive him as a father, what happens is that there is also an inflow of the grace and anointing of God that comes upon your life. Ezekiel, you see, when you, when you love somebody, you must genuinely love your pastor. And when you love somebody and he's speaking to you, you realize that that thing enters your heart. Ezekiel 2, 2 says that, and the spirit entered into me whilst he yet spoke unto me. That means that the anointing entered into me whilst he spoke unto me. John 6, 3, Jesus said, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. They are spirit and they are life. 
So, as you receive your, your pastor as an anointed man of God and as a father, the blessings of a father will come into your life. I see a blessing of a father coming to somebody here. Oh, your amen is... I, say, I see the blessing of a father coming to somebody here. Can, can I have an amen? Yeah. Okay, now how do you receive it? So, when you meet him, you must, you must be like a baby sucking breast. I remember uh, when Dr. Price came for a program uh, at ICGC. I was there with Dr. Tabil and a few people. And then he made a statement that sitting with Dr. Price, he, was, he had become like a baby ready to suck the mother's breast milk. Just, just there, ready to receive. And that is the pride that you must have about your pastor. That as he's speaking, you can see this is a blessing. This is a blessing to what as he's speaking, you are ready to receive, you are ready to imbibe blessing. And when you have that kind of attitude, your life will totally change. But lots of times, there are people who just wear their pastors. You know, I'm not just saying that swallow everything, hook, lie, and sinker. But so long as you know that your man of God is a holy man of God, and that he is scriptural in his attitude, then you must receive him as a father. How do you receive him as a father? He should be able to speak freely into your life. That's number one. Allow him to freely speak into your life. And biological fathers speak freely into the lives of their children. I, I, I don't hold up when I'm talking to my children. I correct them when I have to correct them. I, you, I used to beat them when I have to beat them. And if you are in the church and your pastor corrects you, don't say that a small church we came to, they are correcting us. When they, uh, they ask us, I shall do this. And you didn't do things that, that was expected. Your age does not mean that you may always do things right. Amen? Yeah. Age does not mean that you always do things right. Or you do things in the way that the leadership expects you to do. We are talking about relationship. Because a lot of times, when we don't understand this, that is when there are a lot of offenses. And when people get offended, and you realize that then they don't behave well. And anytime there's offense, then they, they bring about a lot of animosity into the, into the system, and they muddy the waters. And so it's very important that you understand where you are, and your relationship with whoever you are relating to. So within the church, you should be able to receive correction. The word of God is profitable for doctrine, instruction and righteousness, for, for reproof. And if you are reproved, you don't say, I am the MD of this person. Why do, please, why do you talk to me that way? I am myself. Do you buy food for me? No, it shouldn't be that way. The Bible says that he is supposed to, Hebrews 13, 17, he says that he is supposed to give an account of your soul, not even account of your body. Account of your soul. One day your soul has to go somewhere. I said one day, obey them that have the rule over you. And submit yourselves. For they watch for your soul. So when they can see something about your soul, that needs to be corrected. I receive and accept the correction. As they that must give account. So the leadership, the pastor and his team are supposed to give an account of your soul. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I call some of my pastors and I say, where is this person? Where is that person? When I come to church, the first thing I'm doing is that I am, I, 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 I am viewing who, who is where. And somewhere, somewhere, I'm able to say, this person is not around. This person is not around. They say, how do you know? I say, I'm, I'm, the, I'm, I'm a shepherd. I'm a father. Where is this person? And after the service, I say, how is the person? Where is this person? 
He said, he didn't come to church. Have you found out why he didn't come to church? Because I am responsible for taking care of your souls. I have to give an account. And so if you also made a cell leader, you have to give account. So when we ask you to give an account, and you cannot give an account, and you say, why are you troubling me? We must trouble you. Because you accepted a responsibility. So you must do what you, you said you would do. Amen? Yeah. So that they might give account that they may do it with joy and not with grief. Under no circumstance should anybody be there. Listen, when your father gets up and says, Oh, you're Baboni. When your father is there and he thinks that this, my child, is too troublesome. This, my child, is this. This, this person worries me. Your pastor is there and when they mention your name, something goes through his heart. And he doesn't seem to be very happy with you. It's not a good thing. I said, it is not a good thing. And let me say this here, maybe to help somebody. If you are in the church, and you even feel a certain kind of animosity in your heart, some bad feeling towards your pastor, I think it's good to go to him and say, Daddy, I, I'm, I, am, I am beginning to feel this way towards you. Please pray for me. You know, because it is a seed that the devil is sowing in your life to drive you out of the garden. You are being deceived. See, Adam was put in the Garden of Eden. Eden means God's presence. A place of abundance. Everything was nice over there. And guess what? When the devil came in, the first thing he did was he sowed a seed. So Satan will always sow a certain seed. Overtly or covertly through somebody. And as a seed is sown, somebody can just make a comment. And a certain seed is sown. What was the seed? He sowed a seed of doubt. The doubt name made him to become, uh, uh, if to, to become deceived. They deceived the woman. And then when she got deceived, she, they disobeyed the word of God. Disobedience caused them to be driven out of the garden. And then eventually, they were destroyed. Five days. So, it's very important that we become very sensitive and flow properly. That's what you flow. Amen. Yeah. So, allow him to be able to speak into your life. Number two, trust him and what he says. You can't open your spirit to someone you don't trust. Yeah. You must trust him. Yeah. I find it very uncomfortable when somebody doesn't trust me. We don't try. How can, we, how can you be there? You see, it is only when a snake is around that you don't feel comfortable. Yeah. When a snake is, you cannot sleep well when you know that there's a snake. You can, even rubber snake, you won't sleep well. Yeah, even rubber snake. The snake is a very wild animal. Very, very wild. <laughs> Number three. Maintain a high respect and admiration for him. Maintain. I said, I said maintain. It means that you can start by having high respect and admiration, but you may not maintain it. Most people get into a church and they're all excited about the church. Woo, what a wonderful church. Beautiful church. Whatever. Then with time, they become over familiar. And so they don't maintain. You see, you, there must always be as much as you love, you, you, you relate with your pastor, no matter how affable he may be or the leadership may be, let there be a certain space in your heart for respect and for great regard so that you can continually receive the blessing. Amen. Other than that, you build a wall. And no matter how much he throws the blessing, 
He hits a wall and he bounces back. And so, maintain high respect for him. In the last prayer, I said, Our Father who art in heaven, thy will be what? Hello, be thy, thy will be done. So let the will of the pastor be done in your life. Amen. Then, at the end of the day, at the end of the last prayer, he says what? For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. That is affirming God's position. So affirm his position in your life. If you don't do that, a problem could arise. Proverbs chapter 30, verse 17. The, the eye that mocks at his father and despises... Wow. The eye that mocks at his father and despises to obey his mother, the ravens of the valley shall pick it out and the young eagle shall eat it. So, it's, it is very important. If you think you have an issue and you cannot relate properly with your pastor as a father or whatever, just ask to be released in a very nice way so that you will live with blessing. I didn't have an amen. And when you are living, don't muddy the waters. Don't wee-wee and poo-poo into a plate where you have eaten from before. Don't break the pot you have drunk water from. Don't bang doors. You may need to pass through one day. Amen. But whatever it takes, I believe that a lot of time it is our ego, our pride that makes us. Oh, oh. Even later on, when the Holy Spirit convicts you, so I come by. So what do people say? It's not what people say. What is the mind of God? What is God saying? What God thinks about you is more important than what people think. After people are there, they will pass and go away. So is God happy with you? Every time when you are there, ask yourself, is God happy with me? It's not, it shouldn't be. Are people happy with me? Who are people? God is better to listen to. Number two, say positive things about your pastor. Invariably your church as well. Amen. Say positive things. Why is it that many people want to go to Europe and go. It's because of the things that have been said about the place. So it makes, us, it makes it look attractive for people to go. So when you say good things about your church, people want to come and say, I've, I've heard good things about this church. I've heard wonderful things about the church. So when I was in, I was excited. I said, hey, for the first, I'm coming to start the church. I've driven a few times here, and as I'm driving, the, the whole place is locked. So even if I wanted to enter, I couldn't enter. And so, so the, 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 the invitation, the, when you are there, when you say positive things, it's going to attract. That alone becomes a good advertisement. Say, a pastor is a good, is a good preacher. And thank God, Bishop is a wonderful preacher. Great man of God. And has anointed associates. Amen. Yeah, very learned and wonderful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The church, now when you step inside, you can see that this is church of the Holy Ghost and church Full of brains. Yeah, yeah. It's not, it's not like uh, some storytelling, Nancy, and then, well, whatever. It is, it's a church built on substance, the substance of the word of God. Hallelujah. So you are in a good church. I think you miss the place to appreciate God for that. Amen. We have a beloved pastor here. Hallelujah. And your pastor is the best preacher in the world. 
Your pastor is the best preacher. Best preacher. Look, if you're having a church service, and no matter who has come from any part of the world to come, if you haven't closed your service, you aren't going anywhere. Amen. You are, you are not going anywhere. I've taught some of my people, they say, they say Daddy, we thank you that Sayonara, you bring other preachers, but if you are not preaching, it's not like, it, it, it's, not, it, it's, it's not complete for us. Everybody's mother's breast is the best breast milk for them. The breast milk from your mother is what has given you teeth. And giving you strong bones. And you see, wherever you are, that you started doing well, that is the place for you. The ground that you plant a tree, and the tree starts growing well, it's a good soil. So you don't get up and say, well, I am uprooting it, and I'm going to place, place it at a place which looks more, it's, it's a lot posher, or whatever. That tree might die there, because the pH of that soil may not be appropriate for that tree. Amen. And it's never by accident that God brings us into various kinds of local churches. So if you are here, then you must know that your pastor is a very special gift from God that you must cherish. You must appreciate. He must be important to you more than the president. Because the president may serve four four years, at most eight years, and we have said bye-bye by the constitution. But by the grace of God, so long as Jesus tarries, your pastor is your pastor. Sometimes the mistake we make is that we tend to hail and appreciate guest preachers more than our pastor. And often, what does a guest preacher do? He comes to preach. One hour, your pastor has been there. Guest preacher, he doesn't even know you. He doesn't know you. He just will come and preach. And oftentimes, some of them will just come and give us chocolate, ice cream, and we are happy. Yeah. But the pastor is there preaching service after service, service after service, service after service. And some of you, you will never even go and appreciate him in a very special way. Then a guest preacher comes. I'm not saying don't appreciate guest preacher. Then you go and give a guest preacher an offering you have never given to your pastor. And an honor you have never honored your pastor with. It is not right. Except God is telling you to do something. Maybe God spoke to you specifically about something. Even then pass it through the pastor. Don't take it yourself. Because you don't know the guest preacher anywhere. You know him through the pastor. Yeah, you know him. You don't, you don't go. You don't. Nobody should just get out and say, I saw you, I like you, or whatever, and I'm coming. No, no. You must pass through the proper protocol. Proper protocol. Hallelujah. Yeah. So, let your pastor know. See, some people, when the preacher, guest preacher, oh, hallelujah, oh, hallelujah. Yes, do the hallelujah. But when your pastor is doing it, the hands must go better. Yeah, that's our man. That's our man. That's our blow man. That's our blow man. Our blow man is there. That's his, his ministry very powerfully. Hallelujah. His temperament may be very different from maybe any guest who may be coming. But a lot of times, he's even preaching better than whoever is coming. And taught you better on many things. In First Thessalonians 5, 12 to 13, Bible said, We beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you. Know them. The word know them means recognize them. That's what recognize them. Recognize those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord. And admonish you. And to esteem them very highly. How are you to treat them? 
esteem them what? Very highly. That means that give them great respect and admiration. High regard. Good opinion. Hallelujah. Esteem them very highly for their work's sake. For their work's sake. Number three, follow your man of God closely. Staying close to your man of God brings the anointing. Stick closely. Stick closely. The Bible says that Joshua, he was close to Moses. So Moses passed and the anointing came to him. Elijah, Elisha. Elisha followed Elijah. Yeah. When people go and see you up at the airport and you are driving, you get to Terminal 3. And then you have some monies in your pocket. After you cross immigration and enter the plane, the Ghana city toilet row is even better. Because out there it will not be useful. So because you are not going to use it there, you can even you give it to those who are here. So I realized that when Elijah, Elijah was going, he didn't need a mantle. He didn't need it over there. He didn't need anointing over there. The anointing is needed here. <laughs> so you must follow and follow to the end. And as you are following, there will be a lot of tests. Because until you are promoted, you must be tested. There must be tests, trust and entrust. You will never entrust anything to anybody's son without first testing. Never give your heart to a man if you have not tested the man. Never give up. I had to test my wife before I married her. She comes from a, a, a very different background from mine. Father is living somewhere, professor, something, something, whatever. They, when they are talking, they don't even open their mouth very well. Where I come from, we, 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 we scream. We see, pray. Your mother said, come and get kinky and whatever. That's how we shout. We are, we sit by the, the kinky is your hand with the fish. Fry fish on top of it, and then we are just uh, putting ourselves, you know, just on the wall like lizards. And then we eat, and then after that, and meanwhile, this is a girl who is sitting on the dining table, and so we go, Marie, say, hey, come and sit at table. Table fire. I don't know how to sit on table. All I need is accessible. Get the stool, sit on it. That's the best. And so before I married her, Doc, I went to her house one afternoon. I was expecting some kinky or rice. Lo and behold, haughty. Miss Member said, Me, me, who said, Crassini. Me, no, you chatting, Nana, me, if you fret to me. She said, Say, right, right, he found out my baby. I said, Me, who's a shimmy? Hey, it was easy for me. I had to be cleaning my face and cleaning my face. Hey. So, me, too, I said, Me, too, I will test you. So, we had to, those days, we had to go to. Yeah, I was being tested whether I will act like a, as a gentleman because their house they drink tea. Me to one in the morning when we wake up, it's why can't we want to eat? Uh, yeah, so I had to go there. So I said we are going to Legon Gardens. And instead of taking taxi or whatever or dropping, I said we'll sit in Trotro. Yeah. And this again we're so used to sitting in Trotro. I said, me, it's me you like. So we sat in the trot truck. Then we'll get them at Legon Junction there. Then we'll walk all the way to the Legon Gardens. And those days, no sachet water, nothing. So, when you are thirsty, I think they have some tap there. You go and turn the thing. And me, I wasn't even close. I give the prayer topic and I turn my face. Then we start giving the talk. And I was watching. 
to find out whether she passed. And by the grace of God, she passed. And I know that. Yeah, because the ministry is a difficult thing. You will not always have money. Amen. And the, you, you must know that the person likes you for who you are and not because of what you have. And especially as pastors, I mean, sometimes when you stand there, there's a certain kind of aura around you. But when you descend, and you, <laughs> you, have, you have to provide. That, that, there are some things you need, to, you need to be able to do and there will be a problem. Hallelujah. Okay. Now, when you also get to, close to a man of God, please never use his weaknesses against him. Amen. Yeah. I said you should follow a man of God closely. But we see, when you get close to a man of God, be like somebody who, has, who lives in a palace. People who live in palaces do not disclose things. Hey! The chief may have a cat somewhere. There's a way the chief eats or the king eats his food. But don't go and describe it outside. And it is a privilege that you are given to have access to the person. So once you have access to the person, do not abuse it. And when you see even a weakness, because of your proximity, that's why you saw the weakness, and you are supposed to cover the weakness and not to expose it like calm, which has brought us all the problems we have in our part of the world. Because when you do not cover and you dishonor, you have shown dishonor upon you and upon your children. The Lord have mercy on us. Let me just... Ooh. Then, go to your man of God. Let him lay hands on you periodically. Amen? Because through the laying on of hands, blessings are released. Then number six, be a devoted member in the church. What you say and what you do is important. Always make sure your tithes, be a good tithe payer. Don't be, one day when you're angry, say, I'll punish the pastor. I won't pay my tithe. Oh, that people don't say, me to you. Me to you. My tithe is heavy, so I'm withholding. No. Just do it. And then, number seven, love him. Love your, your pastors. Amen. Love and respect them. And number eight, encourage them. When they are preaching, don't act like you're in lecture theater. Eh? You are ministry with him. So, there must be expression of the fact that you are flowing with a person. Nod your head. At least a smile, a wave, an amen is important. And writing of notes. Hallelujah. Writing of notes. The church is also a school. We have not come so that we be, you see, you have been trained so that after three months, four months, six months, you should also be able to train others. You should be able to preach. You see, anybody who is in this church, and you are here three months, six months, and you are not able to preach to others, and you, do not, you are not able to pray for Holy Ghost baptism for others, and they say there's a demon and you cannot cast out a demon, then I think we are not pushing the way we have to push. Amen? Yeah. These days, most people come to be fed. They have, we, have come to, we have come to be blessed. We have come to be blessed. But the time comes when you must become a blessing. You must decide that I have to also contribute my part. I have to be a shepherd. I must have three, four, five people that I am voluntarily going to pray for them. The pastor may not have asked me to do it, but I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to call them. I'm going to follow up on them. And I will ensure that they have become stabilized in the faith. 
That's how come I did to a briefful and coke. We used to go and wake them up. Early morning, sit, sometimes 5.30. All of you descend from the bed. And then we take them to the bush. And go and pray. So they learn fasting, prayer, follow up and go. Today, most of them, by the grace of God, have become Christian doctors, lawyers and go. Because somebody decided to feed them with something. And who are you feeding in the church? Who are you encouraging in the church? Amen. And life is short. We don't have forever to do whatever we have to do. So whatever we need to do, we need to do it now. Well, I did, you didn't hear me. I said, whatever we need to do, we need to do it. Don't say, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to write my MBA when I finish. I'm trying to, I'm trying to marry when I finish. I, want, I am pregnant when I give birth. You can still be pregnant and preach. You can be anything. Once you are not bedridden, you can do something. Can I have an amen? Keep away from things that create problems in the church. When you see people that have gathered and they are creating problems, do not be part of it. Run away from it. In fact, let the leadership know that this thing is going on. And so that there can be a solution. Hallelujah. And then, know what he likes and what he doesn't like. Hallelujah. Yeah, you must know what the pastor likes and what he doesn't like. If you're a musician, you must know the type of songs he likes. And all those things. Play it. Help him to be able to flow properly. Know when he's serious and when he's casual. Know what he's saying and he's not saying yet he's saying. I think this is a very important thing. You see, that times that pastors want to say something. Especially when they are with us. But they don't know how to say it. But they are saying it in some way. And you must be sensitive enough. Amen? Yeah. And when your pastor tells you something, don't become angry. One day, my pastor sent a message. It was the 31st December. We're having a camp meeting. And he said, make sure that canopies are erected. Don't think. Do it. Don't think. Can you imagine? If Bishop writes you a note and says, do this, don't think. Say, Papa, no, sister, see how they are doing as no, no. And that they had worked the whole day. And so I made sure. Meanwhile, they are, they are junior pastors. They are pastor for, in charge of ushering. All those people were there. And yet he said, I should do it. As a resident pastor, I said, okay, fine. I did it. Then he sent a message. Lead the prayer. 31st. So I had to lead prayer and do praise and worship. As he came to the church, he said something told him that he should go back on his way to go and collect money and put it in his pocket. When he came, he removed his agbada as was ministering, threw it on me, and pulled out that money and gave it to me. Somehow, God has helped me to be able to pass a certain test of do this and don't think, do it. But thinking means that why should we erect canopies at this time? So it's important to be able to follow the pastor's order. Amen. We should have gotten to the aspect of uh, uh, the family. I was going to share something about uh, in the family relationship, the relationship between the husband and the wife, you know, which is very important. Um, but, but I guess our time is up. Or uh, can I have some five, ten minutes? Okay. Okay. Hallelujah. Okay. So. Please, I believe that we, we, are, we can have a beautiful church when we know the right way to relate. Amen? And more importantly, as I, I, I finish this first bit, 
associate yourself with the right people. 1 Corinthians 15.33 I have realized over the years, Bishop, that some way people always look out for some way people in the church. You should not be known. Once you come, look for people who are serious, committed, prayerful, people who speak well. And always ask, what can we do to help our church become a better church? What can we do to help our pastor in whatever he's doing? What can we do? Amen. Okay. Now, let's look at quickly a relationship between the, in the family. The, the relationship between the husband and the wife and a few do's and don'ts. The needs of a husband and wife are different. A lot of times, somebody gives a gift to somebody and says, this is what I like, so I'm giving it to you. But that is not what the person may like. When people have a stressful day and they come from work, most men will want a little space. When I was growing up, I used to say, my, my dad comes from work and when he comes there, he goes to his room, maybe he lies there a little or sits in some corner, you know, watching, you know, looking out from the window and all those things. I didn't understand what he was. But later I got to know that he just needed some 30 minutes to unwind, to refocus. And for the lady, when she comes, what she, for the ladies, what they need rather is the opposite. They want to be able to talk to somebody at that time. Hey, when I went, when I came, hmm, then they put the back there. Hey, this is what happened in church. Hey, okay, and then I met an ice cream seller. Hey, and what happened? And they, yeah, that is how they, 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 they unwind. They need somebody to talk to at that time to unwind. So we're going to look at. So our needs are different. That's what our needs are different. Okay, so let's quickly look at the various needs. Number one. Every woman, the needs of a woman. Now these things, when you know, it will help to curb any affairs. A lot of times, people get into affairs when they don't really intend to. But because their needs are not being met, and somebody else is meeting their needs, they end up going to have an affair. And these days, it's happening in the church. And we are human beings. God put emotions in us. He put desires in us. So it's very important that no matter your level, no matter your status, you must be able to be very watchful, and especially when you are in the marital state. And here, you must understand that a woman's need for love and affection is very high. It's top range. A woman will give anything in order to get affection. We say that the men oftentimes will give anything to get sex, but a woman will give anything to get affection. So what a woman needs is vitamin A. Vitamin affection. Yeah. That is a, is, a, is, a, is a topmost priority, you know, for her. Because of her capacity for affection, daily expressions of romantic love are vital to a woman's existence. Daily expressions. Not that you say, oh, I told her she, I love her. And she knows I love her. They never get tired of hearing, I love you. And those three words, you must keep, you know, saying it all the time. Amen? Yeah. Every day, just keep saying it. Words of love, words of affirmation. And a, a number of times, somehow, the devil makes women feel, sometimes they tend to, their, their self-esteem tends to come down because of certain kinds of things. So as a husband, you must always reinforce 
love and affection in her. Every time you have to let her know. And the ears of the women is the entrance to their hearts. And so it's important. Men, our problem is our eyes. The women is the ear. And so what is your wife hearing? What they hear is what they believe. The men, what we see, we like. <laughs> yeah, that's why the women also show things. And when the man sees it, he gets confused. You know, and the, and the women also want to hear things. And once they hear it, it helps them out. So, it's important that you say the right thing. You don't have to be accusatory towards your spouse. You are always doing this. You never do this. Those words of never and always in a negative way should, should, it should, it should not be used. And how do we express affection? Never forget. The, you see, we the men, we don't, we don't mind. We can just be walking throughout the year and nothing happens. Once we get our kinke and fish and to eat, we are fine. But the ladies, things like birthdays is important to them. I don't, you don't have to forget your wife's birthday. And anniversaries, they are very, very, very important to them. Very, very important. We just celebrated Valentine. I know some people have their own opinion about Valentine. But generally, it's an opportunity to express love and affection towards our loved ones. What did you do? What did you say to the person? It's important. And the next thing, cost of time, let's say. So, and when you are expressing affection, say it loud unto them. Amen. Yeah. Tell them how she's a good cook. Tell them how gorgeous she has got gorgeous. You see, don't just say, oh, you are looking nice. Which part is looking nice? You know, you have to be specific. When you do your hair this way, I like it. Yeah. When you, the way you look, I like the shape of your legs. I like this about you. I like the way you cook. I like the way you talk with a nice man. Hello, I like this. You, you, must, you must let them know it. And it helps them to reinforce it. Amen? So affection is, please, we should never joke with this. Oh, showing affection. Don't say that, well, we've been married for 30 years. The affection must continue. We've been married for 40 years. Well, we've been married for 10 years. We must show affection. Show affection through kissing, through hugging. When you are sitting on the, on the sofa, you are there, you hold your wife's hands. And you, you have to, some, some of us, blacks, we, when our children are there, we say we don't want to do any of those things. When you rather do it, you are showing them love. And you are teaching them how to do it so that when they grow, they will do it to their spouses. Oh, the amen was weak. When I was growing up, me, I never heard, I love you, I love you. But because my wife comes from a different background, you say, I love you, so I also say, I love you. <laughs> I love you. I learned how to say, I love you. I, I didn't, why are we coming here? Why are you? <laughs> we are going to tell you, I love you. Every time they are whacking you, why you, <laughs> you make a little mistake, you didn't bring the napkin early, boom. When you are supposed to grind the pepper, these days they, pay, they grind the pepper in the, what, what they call it, uh, the blender. Our time, the stone is there. And every morning you are grinding the pepper for, for kinky and whatever. And they test you and they check like this. And some of you are your eyes. We did it. 
Those were the things we were hearing. Slaps and things like that. (laughs) So, but she was coming from a different background where they say, I love you. So, Sandra, you can also teach your spouse certain things. Yeah, I love you. And then... Uh, writing of writing of notes, short notes, put under her bed. Sometimes package some little money and then put under the pillow for her and things. And write, oh, I like your last meal. Last night was fantastic. I like the way Erekadamedaase. <laughs> Amen. Wraps for her. Hallelujah. Show affection. Number two, her needs for emotional security. Every woman needs security. That's tender, loving care. And you must always reassure her. Because see, as women grow, they begin to ask themselves, am I still looking nice? And sometimes when they even see a younger person, they think you like the younger person. There are times that even they become competitive with their own daughters. Yeah, they become competitive. Look at them. And they think because they think they are changing. So sometimes you have to reassure them, know that look, as you are even growing up, I love you better than I used to love you. You are looking nicer. And sometimes I tell her, I say, you are looking nicer. You are looking plush at your age. You, 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 you are fantastic and everything. And the Bible says, let her breast satisfy thee at all times. Let her breast satisfy thee. It is a decision that this person that I am in marriage with, I may meet some people that look sharper, whatever, but my spouse is the best for me. My wife is the best for me. She can be developing a chief yaruba receding of her. You know, but that's okay. Thank God for wigs today. Oh, God bless the people who manufacture the wigs. Yeah, it changes as this thing. Uh, yeah, just put the wigs there and then you are and then you are, you are and then you are fine. You know. So let them know that you know they are really, really, you know, appreciated. Amen. And that there shouldn't be a hint of any woman that looks better than her. No other woman should be ahead of her. Amen? No other woman should be adored above her. She shouldn't feel intimidated that there's somebody that she's in competition with. She shouldn't know competition. She is number one. The one and only. You can call her wife one. Yeah. And no other one. Special. Amen? No. And... uh, don't don't be looking at other women too intently. They you receive a knock. You say, "Oh, somebody was driving." And say, "Hey, my friend, am I not here?" You know. And the truth is that what is it that is on any woman that your wife hasn't got? Yeah, everything is there. And the truth that what's happening is that you are even going towards a strange person. And you don't know even the spirit the person carries. So you are entering into a dangerous terrain. So stolen waters that people say are sweet eventually become bitter. So just make sure that whatever needs to be done with your wife is done. If she needs some propping up in some way, in a nice, you know, skillful way, try to help her to become, to become propped up. If it is a certain type of beauty, you can get in there, get her to wear what you are, you know, get her to wear whatever 
you want her to wear so long as you have the money. Amen. <laughs> and, and, and don't let her also feel that she's in competition with your work. Else you hate your work. She's in competition with your ministry. She will hate the ministry. She, yeah. One day, a certain pastor was there. And went to a church service time. He had a, the bathroom was outside. So the wife locked him, the door. And when he finished bathing, he couldn't go in. And uh, it was a community church. So the, some of the elders came. When they came, lo and behold, the wife has locked. The, the guy couldn't enter the place. He wasn't happy about it. About the fact that it's like the man's attention is more on the church than her. So there must be a good balance. Amen. One day to another pastor's wife. He said, where is your husband? He said, he has gone to his church. And they pointed, he has gone to his church. It means that she was not part of it. You know, so it's important. Number three, we are finishing now. Number three. A woman needs appreciation for her efforts to look attractive. Her efforts to look attractive. So all the efforts that she's putting in to look attractive, you have to, you have to notice it. And you have to say it. And girls in particular, I've, I've got girls. And some of them, when they go and do their hair, then they will walk around and they throw their hair. Then, uh, then I'm not saying anything. But there's one, she's a talkative. He says, so daddy, what do you think? And I say, you are looking fine. But they are looking for affirmation. You know, so... You have to always look at something and compliment them for that. Can I have an amen? Compliment her on her hair, her figure, the dress when she dresses and all those things. Let her know it. And like I've told you earlier on, when people pass, especially 40 years onwards, they begin to have problems with their figure. So compliment them. And don't do it only privately but publicly. And give specific compliments. Give specific compliments. Ask yourself, what can I say to my wife to make her feel loved and special? What can I say to her to make her feel loved and special? Look for that and say it. Number four, her need for romantic attention. Every woman needs romantic attention. That's why women like weddings. They like romantic attention. And uh, what kind of attention do you give to your spouse that shows her that you are being romantic? When you are buying gifts, you must buy gifts that the person will like. As a special, not just a household thing, but something special for your wife. Somebody just got married and uh, on their Valentine's Day, guess what the guy bought for the wife? Because uh, she was, you know, a corporate person. She bought a, the, the guy bought a, a calculator. He thought that he had bought. He thought that he had bought her something very nice. So well, she was angry, but looking at other things that he does, so he said, "Okay, let me gloss over it." The next year, in fact, <laughs> she thought that after some years. The guy was going to change. Seven years later, the guy was going to give a gift. 
guess what? A set of pots and pans and electric can opener. A microwave oven. I've got something nice for you. You know, and uh, it, it wasn't an easy thing. Uh, the, the, the lady was very, very angry about this kind of thing. So it's important that we notice what our partners really want. Amen? Yeah, we notice what they want. Sometimes we think that, look, but we have a nice house. State-of-the-art equipment are in the house. I give you money. And so what else? But every woman needs quality time together. Every day before you sleep. Even if it is 10 minutes. Spend those times. Husband your day. Whatever. Talk. Hug each other. You know. And then go to sleep. You wake up too. Just learn to say something before you go to sleep. And then for the women. Okay. When... I'll come to the, 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 the man's own. So, ways to show love to your wife. Smile when you will look at her. Call her during the day to say that you miss her. You see, these are things that maybe their former boyfriends or unbelievers will, oh, I miss you so much. Hey, do you miss me? Yes, I miss you. But if you tell her you miss her, that is what is ringing in her head. And it's going to take over her emotions and everything. But if somebody tells her that, then the person is weaving her, his way into her heart. So it's very important. Give her surprise blessings, surprise packages, dinner, lunch, buy surprise gifts. When you are in public or something, you know, try to still catch. When you like a lady and you are in the public, don't you try to catch the eye of the person. So if you are married, you still must catch the eye of the person, a wink, something that shows an affection. Amen. Okay, now the man's needs. As we, I just want us to be quick because of time. The man's needs are different from that of a woman. A man needs, every woman needs security. Every man needs significance. And significance, we are talking about adequacy, respect, and admiration. So the first thing about the significance is that a man needs admiration for his appearance, abilities, and character traits. He needs admiration. You need to admire him for his appearance, for his abilities, and then his character traits. They say behind every successful man is a great woman. But it should be amended to behind a great man is an admiring wife. When a man is admired by the wife, he becomes a champion. He becomes strengthened and he wants to do a lot more. So, it's important that his, phys his physique is admired. That's why sometimes you see the men go, you know, try the gym and do all those things. Sometimes when you see a man and he's walking around and he's walking bare chested, you say, what do you think about my body? I know at a certain age you see that the, some of the flesh is bojok, bojok, akra, you know, but just say, oh, you, you, you still look good. You look sharp and things like that. The man has a certain pride about how he looks. And when you don't say it, maybe the, he's dressed sharply, goes to the office, and then some girls say, oh, you look cute. Mr. Mason, you look cute. Eh? 
He's gravitating towards the voice that said, you look cute. Meanwhile, you the lady, you never said anything. So it's important that you appreciate him for his appearance. You appreciate him also for his skills and talents. His abilities, skills and talents. Whatever he's good at, appreciate you. I like the way you do this. I like the way you do that. Appreciate him for that. And then for his character. His character of honesty, being responsible, who, somebody who has scrupulous morals, his character of being a good Christian, his character of being an upbeat person, a nice whatever. Whatever his characters are, that makes you happy. Say it to the person. Amen. Yeah. Thank him for bringing home money to support the family. And to, I mean, uh, and, and taking care of the children's school fees. It's not every man who does that. Amen? Yeah. Don't assume that your man knows how much you admire his character. Say it to him. Thank you for doing this. Thank you for paying our school fees. Thank you for giving us a nice place to stay. Thank you for your leadership. And then encourage him even concerning his courage. His courage. Uh, some years ago, we were in South Africa, went to Lions Park. And then there was a portion within Lions Park where the, the cops were. And so we went in the midst of the cops. So we're walking there. You know, and we felt it was okay. My wife was wearing three quarters uh, trousers. And before we realized, one of the <laughs> cops, the young lady had gone to catch, got hold of her ankle. But they had told us that anytime something like that happens, don't throw your leg, don't, don't struggle with them. And those guys have sharp teeth. They will finish you up. And so, but when it happens, Bishop, they, 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 all the, the guards ran away. Everybody, we're all there. We're more than about 10, 15, they all ran away and left my wife. And I was there alone with him. <laughs> yeah, I stood with my wife. And I was looking at things, praying in my head, praying. <laughs> and at the same time, the, the, the person, the guard, ran, they just all ran out. They were all scared for their lives. And then, somehow, they, they, they let loose the leg. And then she, she got out. After that, she had decided, she had sworn never to <laughs> go there. But she always, anytime she's recounting this story, she said that my husband was with me. My husband stood with me. My husband stood with me. Yeah. My husband stood with me. So it's important, you know, to spell it out. It to encourage him. His courage. Number three. Number two. A man needs approval and support. Approval and support. Approval in his work. Support for what he's doing. If he's a sports person, be there for him. Approval and support. When you give him approval and support, you go out and succeed. And sometimes men want to share about their work and co. But if you don't talk with them and you don't encourage them, they will even tell you the challenges that they are having. So it's important that you show them approval, you know, of them. Number three, every man has need for respect. Somebody say respect. Can I hear the lady say respect? Yeah. To respect means 
to show reverence, appreciation of worth, honor, and esteem. So every man wants to feel a sense of worth in the eyes of the, the husband. You will never say to your husband, Beyin to again. Now say, Beyin, are you also a man? When men are talking, can you talk? We don't do that. No matter whatever problems you may have, never denigrate your husband. Never say anything that at the end of the day, you cannot swallow the words. Amen? If you are very upset, just move somewhere. Don't say a word. And don't nag and treat your husband also as a child. Some wives will treat the husband, hey, what's your going? Hey, make sure you are close the window. Yeah, when you are close that, and they pick the children. And then your, your shoes, remove their shoes from here. And do that. You are reminding them of their mother. Because the mothers are the ones who do that. So you have turned, you have become a mother. And when you do that, what happens is that it affects the man's maleness. It affects his masculinity. It affects his, even his passion for sex. Because he sees you as a mother. And does a son normally have sex with the mother? No. So do not mother your husbands. Oh, the house is quiet. Oh, you are not happy about what I'm saying. I know, I know you say that for my husband, if I leave it. But you see, you must let him be an adult. Yeah. You didn't marry a boy. You married a man. So shall a man. Anahim. The Hebrew is Anahim. A fully mature person. I don't know. When you do that, you see, the person will become rebellious. The person becomes unhappy. Why are you treating me like I am a little boy? Every man wants to feel respected. If you want your man to be a man, let him feel respected. Let him feel appreciated. Amen? Let him feel very special. Very, very special. Have a sense of self-worth. And no nagging. When you nag, in fact, it's been found out that even when you nag towards a man, it affects his, uh, his performance. Yeah. So he can go to any other woman and he'll be okay because he's, he's been honored. Nice things have been said to him. Now when he's coming to you, he's even afraid. Because now he's coming, he says, why did you lie to the left? Why did you do this? Why did you do that? And the talking is too much. And I've heard stories of how some men, when they are going to their own home, they are afraid. Yeah, their own, own home, they are afraid. So let your home be a very welcoming home. And no matter the mistakes of your husband, and sometimes, no, some women are very sharp. They are very intelligent. And they are the ones who bring in a lot more money. If you are the person who brings a lot more money and all those things, still let the man be the head of the home. And when you even bring about decisions in the house, let him own the decision. Let him be the one who becomes the prime facilitator for the execution of that thought or idea that has come. It shouldn't be like it has been imposed on him. When he gets at the end of the day, he can say, well, I am out of this kind of situation. Finally, every man needs sexual fulfillment. Men don't just see a lot of times women say, Oh, men like sex too much. 
Men don't like sex. Or they want sex. Men need sex. To, to be complete. When I say sex to be complete, it means that the sex helps them. Women need, the primary need of the woman is affection. So a woman can stay for a long time and if the, no man whispers any nice things or whatever, that, why is it that when the men sleep and they wake up, no, then there's something that is standing. Rod of righteousness. You know, it's standing. It's a natural kind of thing that God has created. And by, by virtue of our anatomy, we are givers. Oh, the house is quiet. What well, am I singing? I'm preaching the word of God. Men are givers. Amen. And so if you, if you, if you are a married woman, you should not always want the man just to be the one who is initiating. You must also initiate. And when the man comes, you must accept him. Rejecting the man and pushing him away sexually is actually pushing away his maleness. And he, he feels rejected and he feels like he's not a man enough. And it's going to affect your relationship. And so it is important that sex is highly upheld in a marriage. Now, if you look at children, when children are hungry in the house, when they go out, they go and eat. Parents who don't want their children to eat outside, often when they go out, they make sure they are eating very well. They are eating very well so that no kind of food. So when a man is fulfilled in his house, let a woman pop her something out. Instead, they say, what is this? He said, come on, this is disgusting. You know, house. Because he's satisfied. But when we check your sexometer, and you are having sex once in a month, then there's a, a problem is arising. Once in two weeks, you are becoming very busy. Amen? It is a way of a man has sex to show his love. One of the ways a man expresses, sometimes men cannot express their affection, their love. So they do it by having, wanting to have sex. So as they're having sex, their sex is a way to express their affection and their emotions. They don't have to express their emotions. So as they're doing that, there's that's what they are doing. Whilst for a woman, just want a hug, put your arm around me, whisper sweet nothings into my ears, you are wonderful, whatever, and that's okay, that's fine. A man to be content, a contented man, is a man who has a good sexual life. Can I have an amen? I read a story of a certain lady who likes beds. So she went and bought a, a parrot. Parrots like talking. So she wanted a bear that would talk in the house. The following day, she realized that the parrot was not talking. So she went back to the, the bed shop and asked the person, Why? The parrot is not talking. Then they said, Okay, parrot like mirrors. So can we get mirror? So she bought mirror and put it in the cage. The parrot... Following day was still not talking. She went back, 
Then the lady said, okay, parrots like swings. So get the swings. And still the parrot was not talking. Prior to that, he also bought, then he also bought a, a ladder. Said they like ladder. Then, after some days, she went back to the shop and said, she was very angry, very upset. He said, you know what? The parrot is dead. He said, so he said, what did the, she was asked, what did the par- parrot say before it died? And he said, well, in a weak voice, he asked, was there not some food at the, at the, at the shop, the best shop? The parrot needed some food to survive. And the survival of every relationship, every marriage is meeting emotional needs. You may have houses, you may have cars, you may have a lot of money, but it may not meet the emotional needs of your partner. And so it's very important that we also concentrate on meeting the emotional needs of the person because that's a rare person. That's why somebody can be in some small corner somewhere, in a cottage somewhere. She's very happy, very contented. Hasn't seen television. I've been to places in this country where no car goes to. But they are full of smiles and full of excitement. And you see husband and wife, they are very happy because of emotional needs that are met. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm not out of word, but I'm out of time. Thank you so much. I want us just to, just in a minute to pray and say, Lord, heal our relationships. Because by that, I will, I will be a committed member of my church. Every relationship that I'm in, I'll work in it aright and appropriately. Right relationship between parents and children. If you are a child who has disrespected your parents, want to say that from today, you want to go and build up your relationship with your parents and say that, then mom, I'm sorry. If you're a spouse and you've done something or you're not doing something right, want to go to your spouse and say, I'm sorry for the way I've treated you or not paid attention to you over this period. Also want to pray that if whilst we're in the church, we have not related properly with our pastor, our, our leadership. At your workplace, you have not treated your boss very well. Any kind of leadership that you are under that you have abused the line of communication and relationship. You want to say, Lord, I'm sorry, forgive me and help me that from today may I build a fruitful relationship. Father, I want to thank you. I want to praise you. Glory to God. Lord, I thirst for you and I long to be in your presence, my soul will wait on you. Father, draw me nearer.
Draw me nearer to the beauty of your holy Lord, I thirst for you. Lord, I thirst for you. Yes, I long to, and I long to be in your presence. My soul, my soul, will wait, will wait, will wait on you, Lord, wait on you, Lord. Father, draw me nearer, yeah, draw me nearer, yeah, to the place of your holy. I will wait, I will wait on you. Yes, Almighty, Almighty God, in the beauty of your holy I will worship you, Lord. I will, I will worship you, Lord, Almighty God, yeah, in the beauty of your holy Lord, I give you my heart. I give you my soul. I live for you alone. Every breath that I every moment, moment I am away. Lord, have your way. Lord, have your way in me. 